the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Pastor Joe Sutton uh, coming at you. I thank you for your patience uh, and enduring uh, our, our doing playbacks over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I ran into a situation that uh, those who know me probably know, or if you Facebook or something like that, that I wasn't planning on running into. I I uh, been having chest pain uh, for a while, and went in once to get it checked out, and everything was okay. And then it just got worse, and went back in again, and and uh, they spent you know, one, two, three, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four days testing my lungs, testing my heart testing everything and I passed all the tests and, and I, they let me out and, and then my uh, kidney doctor said well why don't we put a, a camera in his chest and just to put a camera in there and because uh, he's you know he's passing the test but he has pain and they put did an angiogram ran a camera up my arm into my heart and uh, found out I had three blocked arteries uh, one 99.9 other two over 70. And had junk in all five of them, really. And uh, so they told me uh, I had something I called the Widowmaker and didn't want me to leave the hospital. And and uh, so I had to stay in the hospital. And two weeks ago, I had open heart surgery, triple bypass. Uh, got out uh, last Sunday, and I've been at home rehabbing ever since, you know, taking my little walks and everything like that. So it, it just took my whole world just real quick, and it, it just changed it real quick. I'm thinking I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm okay. Just doing what I do. Just keep moving, nonstop moving, uh, you know, serving the king, uh, trying to develop and, and raise up leaders. And so I was, uh, you know, when you run like a one man operation anyway, when it's a small operation where you kind of do a little bit of everything uh, for me to go down, uh, it meant a lot. You know, I, I do the fundraising. Uh, I do a lot of decision making. Um, and so the, the fundraising part, you know, looked a little bleak, but you know, uh, man, God is good. Some people just, Lord, I put on their heart to, to help us out and, and uh, gave us a gift and it, it has just to get past the, you know, the first few weeks. And I guess until I can get on my feet and, and uh, write a letter or talk or do something. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me how a lot of times when we say we have faith and we live in the perspective that we do, it's another thing to say we have faith. It's another thing when our faith has to be tested. You know, it's another thing to say we love God, but it's another thing when, when our love for God has to be tested. It's, it's one thing to say that, you know, my call and my mission is to raise up the next generation of leaders. It's another thing when I have to depend on them leaders myself. You know what I mean? 
Uh, yes, it is a whole nother thing, man. And, 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 uh, anybody who knows me knows I always, I always push the limit. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm never satisfied. If you say one, I say two. You know what I mean? If you, if, if, if the doctor tells me it takes you six weeks to heal, I tell him it's only going to take me two, maybe three. You know, I always push the limit. And, uh, but I've been obedient this time. My friends have been calling me up and I've been staying home. I haven't driven. You know what I mean? I haven't. You know, even though I don't know why I can't drive, but I, but I haven't driven. You know, going there, uh, you know, uh, my chest hurts a lot. You know, I try to avoid the painkillers, you know, because there's side effects to painkillers. I mean, you don't feel pain, but then there's side effects. So I try to take it as natural as I can. But, you know, the, the joy of this whole process, right? Yeah, I said the joy of this whole process. <laughs> there is some joy in this process. The joy in this process is to see that I put myself in a situation where I really had to see that if my call was my call, and and uh, am I am I am I raising up young leaders? You know, what I mean? is that what we're really doing and what we have? You know, people that observe my program and observe the leaders that we produce have told me so, but I really haven't had to lean on them because I still do what I do. Now this time around, I've had to lean on them. You know, what I mean, I you know I had to. I can't be at the church to solve problems. I can't be there. I have to really depend on the, the, the word and the training that I've already placed in them will come to pass and be good. And I must tell you that, that they've, uh, they passed the test. You know, there's been some crazy things happening because whenever you put, uh, you know, uh, my executive director is 24 years old, you know what I mean? And just graduated from college and, and, uh, my education person is, 77. So that, that just lets you know my, my sphere of influence. She, she kind of hangs around and makes sure that they have some wisdom there. But, you know, but they, they've been handling it. They've been handling the kids. They've been dealing with the parents. Uh, they've been doing that. Uh, even in our, our track crew, they're out in, uh, in Sacramento right now at the Junior Olympics. Uh, they're doing well. Uh, one young lady finished, she did the pentathlon, which is multi event. She finished 10th in the nation. And, um, and then we got a couple ranked first and, and, uh, so, and, but, you know, I mean, one of my, one of my first kids to come into the program is running the track program for me now. Cause I can't do it. I can't get on a plane. I can't do anything. You know, I have to trust that what I put in them is going to, is going to come to pass. And like I said, it's a different thing when you have to trust in it. It's something else when I'm trying to get somebody else to trust in it. And when I have to trust in it, did, did I did I do and prepare? Did I release? And I and I'm so thankful that I do operate under the 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 mantle of you know I'm gonna let you lead. I, I'm gonna give you responsibility. I'm gonna let you fail. And uh, so so at an early age, they they know failure. They know success. They're already planning. I get an email last night that they sitting down planning to the camping trip. And so they was asking me my input on the camping trip. I said, if I was running the program, I wouldn't be thinking about the camping trip to two days before the camping trip, but they, they're two weeks ahead of time trying to make sure they get it right. I said, they're actually doing what I taught them. <laughs> I, I said, so it can't help me not to feel good to know that uh, those of you who support us, you know, financially know that, that, uh, that God is raising up uh, a generation of leaders from the urban context. That uh, they can take care, they can take care of business, and they and they've been doing it. Uh, we have ninety kids on the track team. We have fifty kids in our everyday program, twelve staff, and uh, you know, and working with staff. Our staff are high school, 
you know, college watching high school. And so it's, it could be, you know, dealing with them. If you got high schoolers, I got three high schoolers in my house. I be wanting to strangle them all the time. You know what I mean? And and then they'll go they'll go to 3D. They'll go to the everyday program, and the kids love them. And they take care of business. They organize their classrooms. They clean up and everything like that. And I be like, why they don't do it at home? You know, <laughs> why did I do it at home? As soon as you get there. But you know, my word today is this: is that uh, you know, is is let not your hearts be troubled. You know what I mean? You know, because you know sometimes we 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 wonder about that. How will things be if I'm not there? You know, what, you know how will things be? If I ever got called someplace else or how would things be if I was to pass on the glory and, you know, and be on the streets of gold, chilling out, you know, what what would happen? And, I, you know, I just thank God for this moment to give me a little bird's eye view of what the future is going to look like. You know, when these young people take their positions, when they they finish up with their their levels of education and, you know, and the experience that that the church is going to be in good hands, the church will be in good hands. You know, Isaiah 61, the reason why we named this program, we named it, is Jesus came to a point of revelation when he stood up in the church that day. And he read from Isaiah 61. And he said, today this scripture has come to pass. And everybody was like, well, ain't this Joseph's son? You know I mean? We, we watched this boy grow up. You know what I mean? And, and they were kind of perplexed about that. They were looking at that and, uh, and wondering, can he really do, you know, what what uh, they, they, he just said? You know, they, they weren't. Um, mad at him for saying that he was God at that particular moment. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, they were just contemplating and wondering if it could be, when they start thinking about his life, you know, I never have known the boy to sin. You know what I mean? You know, he, he, he is kind of good, you know, good at what he does. You know, he reads the Torah pretty well and he does fall, you know, you know, they, they just kind of contemplating it. And then Jesus had to take it a little bit too far. You know what I mean? And, 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 and the way he took it a little bit too far is that he dealt with their, their prejudices. He dealt with their uh, premeditated thought. And he said, when he said that out of all the widows in Israel, God chose a widow in, in, uh, in Zarephath. Out of all the lepers in Israel, God chose to heal somebody from Assyria. And man, they got hot. They were ready to throw that joker over the cliff to say that a uh, 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 pagan uh, you know, or you know, a non-Jew that God will show favor and love. Now we understand this Isaiah sixty-one. Now we're reading this Isaiah sixty-one that God's about to bless us. You know, meaning at that time, meaning you know, the 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 it, the nation of Israel, the, the it, people descendants of Israel, and then He comes in and throws in and adds that God's also going to bless them peoples. The ones that we don't necessarily agree with, the ones that we don't necessarily like. And and that's what caused the uproar. That's what caused them to want to throw him over the cliff. That it wasn't the fact that he, he had just committed blasphemy and said the day the scriptures fulfilled in front of you that, that he was the Messiah. That that didn't that didn't tick him off. What ticked him off is when he had nerve to put them on the same level as with a with a Gentile. And so we have to be careful too in our own lives that we don't allow our prejudgments our, our views of people to taint what is happening. You know, teenagers, it is a cuss word in every vernacular you can think of, man. You know, when people say, I got teenagers, all you got to do is say, I got teenagers, and everybody here starts shaking. Uh, uh. 
<laughs> you know, we had his prejudgment. We had his viewpoint that, you know, they're, they're our little Gentiles. You know what I mean? They're the ones that mess up the holiness of holies. You know what I mean? When they come into the play. And, and, and sometimes we allow that to stop us from letting them exercise and operate in the gifts that God's call has given them. You know, when you look at the teenagers in biblical times was David, Daniel, and all those other guys, and you can argue that they didn't live as long back then, so whatever you want to argue, they're still teenagers. You know what I mean? You know, they're still there. You know what I mean? And so we have to ask ourselves, are we raising our kids to be the dreaded teenager, or are we raising our kids to be the godly teenager? What levels of responsibility and authority do we give them? You know, we talk about how irresponsible they are. You know what I mean? I, I, my my daughter, my daughter, bless her soul, she cut up the watermelon and put it in the Tupperware. And and so when they had a fruit, they could just take the watermelon out and have fruit, right? So I asked her this morning, did you eat your fruit today? She said, no, I couldn't find any. Now, you just cut up this big, giant watermelon. You did. Not no one else did. You cut up this big, giant watermelon that's sitting in this big, giant Tupperware bowl that's sitting in my refrigerator. But you didn't know we had any fruit. Then she goes, oh, and I'm the one who cut it up, too, ain't I? I forgot all about that, right? Yeah, and I know she's under a lot of pressure, a lot of strain. She got to sleep 10 hours a day. You know what I mean? It, it, it's summertime. You know what I mean? You know, no homework, you know, whatever like that. And she forgot she cut the watermelon up the day before. You know what I mean? That goes in there. And, and that's our view of teenagers. Sometimes we look at teenagers because we just, we just expect that. How old is she? 17. Oh, okay. All right. We understand. You know what I mean? You know, parents understand. But then sometimes do we got to come back and issue that challenge. And, and, and they can't just start when they become a teenager because teenager means between age. You know, that means they're between age, you know, but what age is that really childhood and adulthood? We created teenagers. You don't find teenagers in the Bible. You know, you find where in the Jewish culture, you bar mitzvah, you come out of childhood into adulthood. You know what I mean? And in, in our Western culture, we, 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 we came up with between age. You know what I mean? It's this time zone where from time you believe even childhood into adulthood that we figure they need this to, to go. So we give them more time to mature. But are we giving them more time and it's hurting them? Or are we giving them more time and it's helping them? You know what I mean? That can only be answered by on an individual basis because everybody's different and everybody runs by a different clock. But, man, we're at a point in our life that if we don't get our kids together to, to, to be able to lead, when they get into college, you know, I sit on the board of Virtues uh, campus, and, and one of the things that we look at, 85% of kids lose their faith when they go to college, you know, because their faith has never really been tested. It's been communicated, but not tested. You know what I mean? Just like what I've, I've gone through these last two weeks, I've communicated to, to people, you know, what a leader should be, but now it's being tested because I can't be there. You know what I mean? I, I can't be there. And so I have to look at, look at it that way and say, like, you know, how, how do I get to that point? And so, you know, I've been doing a lot of reflecting. I feel like Paul. Uh, I've been, I'm, Paul didn't start writing his letters until he got locked up in jail and I feel like I'm locked up in jail. So I'm going to write letters from the Minneapolis jail. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that's my house is. I got to, I got to rest and I get my little five minute walks in the community, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting on, 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 on leadership and preparing 
our young people for leadership. And so we're going to come back after the break and I'm going to just talk about some, some, some steps some things that I think we can do to prepare our young people to get ready to lead. And those of us who are leading now can feel comfortable and step back and be consultants and, uh, and, and let these weird little people do what God has created them to do. God bless. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Pastors you're searching online for that perfect sermon series that your congregation will really enjoy and benefit from, but you just can't seem to find what you're looking for. I suggest you give SermonSearch.com a try. Sermon Search is packed with sermon outlines from revered Bible teachers who cover every topic you can imagine. You'll also find images, videos, and analogies to complement your presentation of God's message. Be inspired to study, create, and proclaim with SermonSearch.com. All we need is Jesus. Man, I know what that stressed out part looks like, man. But it's good to relax. I'm not going to say that. You know, I, I come from, uh, in my background, I've always seen... Uh, my mother was a workaholic and my dad was a workaholic and all I ever saw was people work. And so that's all I've ever known is to work. I was a sugar freak when I was little. I don't know about y'all, but I'm confessions of a sugar freak. And you know what happens to most sugar freaks? They either become alcoholics or heroin addicts. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, I just love that sugar, but I, I would hustle and start businesses for one reason, one reason only to go get me some sweets, you know, today, you know, kids, mom goes to Sam Club by 30 pack and they got snacks in the cabinet. You know, my wife had a snack cabinet. I like, we didn't have no snack cabinet when I was little. I said, I go hustle some pop bottles or something like that, man. I come back with them penny, penny cookies and, and two for penny cookies and, and, and spent all my money on candy. Every man, you couldn't give me a nickel. Savings, I didn't know what that was. I was trying to break in that bank every time. Little piggy lived in fear. <laughs> Every time he see me coming, he lived in fear, knowing I was trying to get some money out of him so I can go give me some potato chips or something like that, you know, out of, out of the realm. And I don't even eat dessert. You know what I mean? I just don't even, it doesn't even bother me, anything like that. But, you know, and, and looking at, uh, I had someone, my wife came, somebody came to my wife and told my wife to say, you know, you never really had any major problems out of your kids, you know, uh, you know, with the grow up stuff and things like that. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I learned something. I got married late. There's a benefit to getting married late. You get to watch what happens to other people's children. So my friends are getting married at 20, 21, 23, 24, coming out of college, getting married. And, you know, here I am watching them kids grow up, watching them do stuff for them. And, and, you know, we're all first generation out of the urban context, college educated, and we can do stuff for our kids that our parents couldn't do for us. You know, and, and I'm watching them do these things like that, but I start noticing, you know. And then, of course, I, I, you know, I, I got into management. I, 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 I'm an accountant by training. 
But accounting is boring because they put you in a little room with a cubicle and a tin key. I didn't like that. I like management. I like telling people what to do. I like seeing results. I like seeing things happen. I like, I'm a people person. And so, but I'm managing the Toys R Us and I see them kids coming to Toys R Us spoiled, getting certain toys, doing certain things. And I just was like, I do not want mine to be like this. But, and I remember this older guy telling me, he said, if you want to have it easy, you got to have a mission. And I said, a mission? He said, yeah, what's your mission? He said, he said, if, if you get married, how's the world going to be different now that you and your wife are together? I said, wow, I wasn't thinking about the world. I was just thinking about me. Yeah, I mean, I won't be lonely no more. I won't be, I won't be, I wasn't even thinking about changing the world. Did my little marriage ceremony go change the world? Or something? He said, no, you got to look at God has a reason for everything. God has a purpose for you, right? Right. What's your purpose? I said to preach the gospel. I'm, I'm an urbanite. I preach the gospel in an urban area. He said, okay, your wife has, your wife is going to have a mission. So now that we combine these two missions together, how's the world going to be impacted by it? And I, man, I said to sit and I had to really contemplate that thing. And, and to go that route. And what is the purpose of the Sutton family? Right. I thought I was doing good just having a purpose for me. You know what I mean? Now I got to have a purpose for my family. And I'm saying like, wow. And so because I got married late, it gave me time to formulate something. But what I was formulating, I was formulating by myself because I didn't have a wife. So when I when I got to wife and I got to wifey and we got to talking and I started telling her this is what I see, the purpose of my family and I knew wifey was the one because she said, that's what I see my family doing. Impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're both givers. And so, therefore, when my kids were born, even when they were in the womb, I declared over them the family purpose. You know, and, and when they were growing up, they always did. We, we would do ministry together, but it wasn't just them carrying chairs or, you know, or doing something like that. It was them understanding this is how this fits in with what God has called the Sutton family to do. You know, I said, you can be a lawyer, you can be a banker, you can be anything you want to, but Sutton serve. They serve. That's what we do. We serve men and women of God. We serve. We're not looking for the limelight. We serve. You know what I mean? It, you know, and so even when my son went off to college and he got, he caught that disease, there's this disease in college that says you, you don't have to go to church on Sunday. Sunday is sleep late day. And so, so when I came to him and I said, where you going to church? He's like, uh, well, uh, ain't quite found no place like that. You know, yeah, I, you know, so I, you know, I go to chapel every day. You know, what I, mean? I, said, I ain't actually about chapel. I'm talking about being a part of a group of believers. I said, that's cool. And uh, he said, no, nah, I haven't really. I said, find one. So then he started going to this church. So of course, he picks a mega church where he can hide in the back, not out. Nobody know whether he's there or not. And I said, after about three months, I said, so you serving in church? He said, serving? Why I got serve? I say, what do Suttons do? He said, Sutton serve. What are you doing? Okay, I got it. I say, he said, but what I'm going to do? I, said, I don't know. You just go to the pastor and say, whatever you want me to do, clean the toilet, whatever you want me to do. You know, I'm here to serve you. I said, well, walk around the parking lot and clean it up. And don't, it, 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 it. So then he goes, sits down to the pastor and pastor said, oh, we were just praying about somebody. And, and you know, we put him over in this one little department. He's over there volunteering in it and he was doing that. And he was missing that bed. Oh, he was missing that bit. But now he's accountable because he's, you know what I mean? They know whether he's there or not because he had to be in this area. But I had to remind him of the fact that this is what we do, right? I said, this is what we do. You know what I mean? And I said, and I and so even my older ones, the ones in their 30s, I had to remind them, this is what we do. You know what I mean? And so they've been hearing it since they were born. So it's not hard for them to make the transition to understand 
that while everybody else got a five day work week, I got a six day work week. You know what I mean? Because this is what we do. And so I suggest to you as a parent, you know, to you as a leader, guardian, that that you you ask the Lord, what is my family purpose? Just look and say, well, you know, what what have you called this family to do? You know what I mean? You call this family to serve. You call this family to 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 create. You call this family to lead. You know, what have you called our family to do? You know what I mean? And and, and then and, and just let your children be aware of that and give them opportunities to do that. You know, and not wait till they get to, to get older and things like that. Because we, we're all on a mission, the great commission. Go you therefore and teach all nations, right? But there's a certain facets of that game that we all have to occupy. Give them a reason, a reason to work. Give them a reason, not just because I said so, but let them understand and let them know that that they're not they're doing what they're doing doesn't end in their lifetime, but it's adding on to the next lifetime and to the next one. And the groundwork that they're laying, the works that they're doing, won't fade away. But they'll grow and grow and grow and grow. I'm being challenged in that area, and I hope you are too. Glad to be back amongst the land of the living. Ah, man, I'm going to be like a Jamaican. Going to work me many a job, man, till Jesus bring me home. God bless you. See you guys next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.